Are you a high-performing real estate investor who's looking to further elevate your performance? If so, download our free guide, Raising the Bar, Five Steps to Elevate Your Habits by joining our insider network at elevatepod.com. This guide created by yours truly has the power to put your transformation on autopilot and exponentially change your trajectory. Go get your free copy now at elevatepod.com. If you're looking to take your business and life to a whole new level and you're committed to investing in yourself, you're invited to apply for one-to-one coaching with me, which you can learn more about at coachwithtyler.com or sign up for the life-changing Elevate High Performance Coaching Academy, where together with our tribe, you'll learn how to elevate your game, make more money, and have more freedom. Check out the free masterclass at elevatecoachingacademy.com. Welcome to Elevate, the masterclass where we dissect the elements of exceptional achievement and lifestyle design with a focus on personal growth and real estate investing. Now, here's your host, Tyler Chesser. Elevate Nation, welcome back. This is Tyler Chesser. I'm so thankful to have you here. And I am blessed and grateful to be sitting with the great Emily Fletcher today. Wow, you are going to learn so much about how meditation can help you step into much higher performance in your life, how meditation can help you get five times more deep rest than even sleep can, and really how to de-stress your life, how to get rid of the backlog of stress that's stored in your nervous system for perhaps even two generations or even longer, how you can step into state changes, but also trait changes, and really change the trajectory of your life in so many different capacities and unlock your full potential, not only through mindfulness, meditation, but also manifestation. And it's not about woo-woo. It's not about corny. It's not about, you know, I hope and pray and wish, and then it shows up. It's about real practical results. And so today is going to change your life. I can guarantee that. Today is a phenomenal day. Elevate Podcast is all about mindset, mind expansion, and personal growth for high-performing real estate investors. I'm your host, Tyler Chesser, and I am a professional real estate investor and high-performance coach. It is my job to decode the stories, habits, and multifaceted expertise of world-class investors and other experts to help you elevate your performance and lifestyle. Are you ready to take it to another level? It is time. Let's raise the bar. Before we dive in, I want to encourage you. Thank you again for listening to to Elevate Podcast. If this is your first time listening, welcome. You are home. This is time, really. If you want to elevate your life, you want to elevate your business, you want to elevate your real estate, and so much more, you're at the right place. If you've listened to us before, thank you for coming back. We are here to pour into you. We're here to provide so much value, and we're going to continue to do that through this podcast. The fee for this podcast, by the way, it's 100% free. It doesn't cost you a dime. The only thing we ask is that you pay it forward and share this with someone that you care about, whether it's a family member, a friend, a business associate, an employee, a partner, you name it. Share this with someone that you care about, one person. If you've already shared this before, thank you. Do it again if you don't mind. We, we just ask you to do that because at the end of the day, the only way that we can grow and reach more people is if you pay it forward and you introduce us to people that you care about because we're doing this 100% for free. Again, also give us a rating and review is certainly something that we appreciate. Also subscribe to the podcast. Don't forget to subscribe because we're coming out with two episodes every single week, one with an expert in some field, whether it's meditation or otherwise, and another with a high performing real estate investor so that you can get the tools to create the life of your dreams 
And with all that said, I want to dive in here. I want to introduce you to Emily Fletcher, who is the founder of Ziva Meditation and the leading expert in meditation for performance. She has taught over 40,000 people the skill of meditation. She is an international speaker and author. Her best, her best-selling book, Stress Less, Accomplish More, debuted at number seven out of all books on Amazon and has been translated into 12 languages. The New York Times, Good Morning America, The Today Show, Vogue, and ABC have all featured Emily's work. She's been named one of the top 100 women in wellness to watch and has spoken at Apple, Google, Harvard, and Harvard Business School. Ziva graduates include Oscar, Grammy, and Emmy Award winners, Navy SEALs, and NBA players. The Ziva technique is a powerful combination of mindfulness, meditation, and manifesting designed to help you get better at life and not meditation. So without further ado, please welcome the great Emily Fletcher. Emily, welcome to Elevate. How are you? I'm ready to get elevated. Let's do this. <laughs> That's right. I know it feels like we're we're stepping into a new realm here, but no, I'm excited about this conversation and uh, really grateful to to have time with you because I know that we're going to uncover really a lot of magic. As corny as it sounds, I feel like we're embarking upon a little bit of magic today together. So, before we dive into this conversation, Emily, would you mind sharing with the audience if you were to describe yourself in the way that your closest friends or family members would describe you? What would they say about Emily Fletcher? Oh boy. Uh, <laughs> speaking of magic and witches, um, <laughs> my inner circle has gotten real witchy as of late. I've moved from high performers to full blown wizards. Um, <laughs> That's awesome. So, uh, you know, sunshine. People say that there's like sunshine beaming out of every cell of my body. Wow. Um, that there's a level of joy a level of enthusiasm. I, it's so funny. I was just on a bus with 48 of my closest friends in the Baja Peninsula this weekend. And as I boarded the bus, there was four people in the front row and they wouldn't let you pass until they all just showered you with compliments. And it was really uh, a, a deluge of love coming at me. But my friend Rada, who's sort of daybreaker, she's like, I'm seeing you know, Nobel Peace Prize and the Oscars. And like, she was just like going for it. But I'd say like largely it's joyous. Man, I need like these friends in my life. I need these people to just surround me and just follow me and just shower me with praise. What do you think? Yeah, (laughs) highly recommend it. Come on in, Uh, water's warm. We've got a great crew. That's awesome. (laughs) Well, beaming, so beaming with sunshine and joy and enthusiasm and Obviously, you know, you do radiate that. I mean, your presence is very calm. Obviously, that's a trained practice, I would imagine. We'll talk about that today. But talk to me a little bit about your upbringing and how you've gotten to where you are today. I mean, talk to me a little bit about your background. I know that you previously were a Broadway performer. Maybe you could give us some context leading up to that. Yeah, so I'm from Tallahassee, Florida. So it's about seven minutes from the Georgia line. It's real Southern. I grew up doing theater. I started doing theater when I was in fourth grade. And musical theater really was my religion. It was the thing that gave me structure and boundaries. And um, and in college, certainly, like I was at Florida State when it was the number one party school in the U.S. And I would have, I mean, I definitely contributed to that ranking. And <laughs> I had to get up at eight in the morning and sing an opera aria. Or I'd be in dance class from 10 until 2 with no air conditioning. So you, you can't be hungover or you can't be smoking pot all night and expected to sing 
you know, from an opera. So it gave me these like built-in guardrails. And <laughs> have you ever heard that quote, hedonists make the best spiritualists? I haven't, and, but I like it. So I wrote a book called From Vodka to Veda <laughs> back in the day. No one's ever published it. Every publisher is like, no, thanks. Um, but I think it's going to be great. I'm pro- if no one buys it, I'm going to self-publish it because it's, it's honestly really good. <laughs> and it's basically these lascivious hedonistic tales of being a Broadway showgirl, but with sneaky lessons from the Vedas woven in. And, and it's this same idea that even if you're reaching to what can be destructive substances, oftentimes the internal desire is the same. It's like sucking the marrow out of life, like wanting to have the most heightened experience. And that can be translated into spirituality as well. I was hanging out with a friend last night and she said, yeah, I only do drugs recreationally. All my spiritual practices are sober, which is really fascinating as we're having this psychedelic revolution right now. And so many high performers are starting to deal with microdosing or going off to do ayahuasca. And I thought that was such a fascinating take that she's like, yeah, if I do drugs, it's for fun. But my spiritual practices are lucid dreaming, vipassana, you know, journaling, sweat lodges. And I was like, whoa, I think I really like that distinction. Um, anyway, why am I talking about drugs? I don't know. Went to Florida State, was a musical theater major, um, left, came to New York, got my first Broadway show or my first union job. My second day here was on Broadway for 10 years and then found meditation and it changed my whole life. Uh, it, it cured my insomnia. I had had insomnia for about 18 months prior to learning to meditate. And on the first day of my first class, I slept through the night for the first time in 18 months. I started going gray in my 20s. I stopped going gray. I'm 42 now. I have like three gray hairs. I was legitimately going gray a decade ago or over a decade ago. I um, didn't get sick for eight and a half years. I started enjoying my job again. And so I just thought, why does everybody not do this thing? So I left Broadway. I went to India. I started what became a three-year training process to teach. And then since graduating, I've now taught over 50,000 people how to meditate on their own Uh, The book, Stress Less, Accomplish More, has been translated into 14 languages, which is really exciting. And it feels cool to be able to take my performance background and translate it into these sort of historically, esoterically perceived tools. And my mission when I started Ziva was very much to rebrand meditation as a performance tool. And I was like, well, that's done now. Thank you, Oprah. Thank you, Tim Ferriss. Thank you, Seattle Seahawks. Um, you know, to some degree, I'll toot my own horn on that. Like, even though I haven't been so public around that, a lot of my students have. A lot of the people who I've trained are Oscar, Grammy, Tony, Emmy Award winners. And so them tweeting about it, them posting on Instagram about it sort of made it less weird. And also the science, like the mountain of science that's come out in the past 10 years. It's like, you don't have to meditate, but you can't refute it anymore. It's like, you don't have to exercise, but you, no one has an argument for like exercise doesn't work. Right now, it's really a question of what type of meditation is best for what I'm trying to accomplish in my life. Yeah, I love that. Thank you for that background. I didn't know we were where we were going to go. We we're talking about vodka. We we're talking about ayahuasca. I didn't know where we were going with this whole thing, but I really like where you took it. And it's really interesting to to understand sort of your background, especially being a performer on Broadway. And I would imagine there was a lot of stress involved and obviously, you know, pressure to perform at a peak level you know, consistently. And so I can find, maybe I'm making a little bit of assumptions as to how you kind of landed in this world, but who introduced you to meditation? I'm just curious. Mm. So there was an amazing woman named Dion Zanotto. She was sitting next to me in the dressing room and she was understudying five of the lead roles. I was understudying three of the lead roles. We were doing a chorus line 
And that means you have no idea which character you're going to play when you show up to at the theater. So it's very high in demand. Even if you're not on, you're still in fight or flight because your body knows it could be thrown on at a moment's notice. You never really feel safe. You never really feel like you can let your guard down. And it was that high level intensity and stress that led to my insomnia and my gray and my getting sick and injured. And so here I am like on Broadway living my dream and I'm miserable. And I know so many people can relate to that. They think, okay, well, once I make a million dollars, then I'll be happy. Once I get the girlfriend, then I'll be happy. Once I get the boat, the house, then I will be happy. But that's an illusion. That's the all be happy when syndrome. And so think, so Dion has a harder job than I do. And she's nailing it. Every song, every dance, every bite of food this woman eats is a celebration. She's like, oh, this is sensational. And she was Australian. And I was like, oh, well, she's just happy because she's an Aussie. Because like, have you ever met an angry Aussie? No. Um, like they're all so happy. Like, what are they putting in the water over there? But then I realized that this was extra. And so finally I was like, hey, I'm going to need to have some of what you're having. So she introduced me to her teacher who was in town from London. I went along, took this four-day course. It was like two hours a day for four days. And at the end, he was like, yeah, you'll be able to do this on your own. And I was like, what? In four days and two hours a day for four days, I'm going to have a practice to take with me for life. And the answer was yes. That was 12 years ago. I've meditated every day, twice a day you know, pretty much except for like a month after I had my baby, like I've meditated this whole time. And, and, and that to me, that self-sufficiency piece is really underrated. Like so many people are relying on apps to meditate for them or guided studios or guided YouTube videos to meditate for them. And I'm a big fan of self-sufficiency. So anyway, it was my friend Dion Zanotto, who was a fellow showgirl and a chorus line that introduced me to it originally. Oh, I love that. I love that. And it's, you see that in someone else and you're like, wait a minute, I want what they're having, right? You see the happiness. And is, was that what it was? You actually noticed after a while, I was like, look, I'm not going to be happy if I just accomplish something else or get something else. Maybe that can come from within and maybe that's a choice. Maybe you almost subconsciously recognize that within your friend. Well, I, when I was 22, I got my first Broadway show and I had been very, very deep in the I'll be happy when syndrome. I mean, since mm. I was in fourth grade, I thought, well, once I get on Broadway, then I will be happy. Mm. And I was really lucky in that I had such a clear and specific goal, such a clear dream. And, and I was also very lucky in that I achieved it at a relatively young age in that. And what was lucky about that is not that I made it on Broadway. What was lucky is that it dissolved the illusion of the I'll be happy when syndrome. Because three weeks after my Broadway debut was the saddest I had ever been. Mm. And so I learned at a very young age that I was more interested in the happiness of pursuit than I was the pursuit of happiness Uh, because it felt like my goal had been taken away. So I was really happiest when I was working towards my goal, but I didn't really get that consciously at 22. So I just thought next boyfriend, next agent, next show, next zero in the bank account. And I did that for 10 years and I sort of prided myself on being a seeker. You know, I had read every self-help book. I had taken every class. I'd worked with every therapist. I'd done every modality. And I was proud of that. I'd proud, I was proud of how much software I had accumulated. And then it wasn't really until I found this style of meditation that I was like, oh, I'm not a seeker anymore. I found it. It's right inside of me. Mm. I just needed the key to unlock my fulfillment in the only place that it resides, which is inside of me right now. And it wasn't until I found this practice that I really had a visceral understanding of that. I love the way that you described it as a soft, as all the software, right? You had all the necessary pieces of equipment and you had uploaded that to your system through self-help, but then you didn't have maybe the right operating system underneath all of that is maybe the way that I would draw the delineation. What would you say? 
Well, I would say that, so I would define software as the operating system. Ah. So like Mac OS Snow Leopard or like whatever, like your apps are on your phone. And the thing is like, you've probably tried to download a new version of an app and like, this isn't compatible with your phone. Are you trying to op- download the new Mac operating system? It's like, you can't do this on your computer. And that's the way I delineate it, that self-help books, religion, talks, these are operating systems. But what meditation does and specifically what Ziva does is that it's defragging your brain computer. It's actually mm-hmm. up-leveling the hard drive, right? So you are rewiring, you're increasing neuroplasticity, which is the brain's ability to change itself. You are strengthening the corpus callosum, which is the bridge between the right and left hemispheres of the brain. You're increasing neurogenesis, which is the brain's ability to generate new neurons. And all of that is imperative if you're trying to run very advanced software. So like manifesting is a great example. You know, so many self-help folks are saying, you know, just hold your vision, get clear on your vision, know where you're going. And that's great, but you can manifest all day long. And if you're not meditating and your body is riddled with stress, then guess what? It's going to be very hard for that manifestation to arrive because likely you don't believe that you deserve your dream. If your body is riddled with stress and marinating in fight or flight stress chemistry, then it's very challenging to believe that you deserve your dreams. And we don't get what we want in life. We get what we believe we deserve. And if you're getting your buns to the chair every day, twice a day and doing meditation, you are increasing your deserving power because one, you're investing your most valuable resource, which is your time. And two, you're actually changing your neuro and biochemistry. You're changing your brain chemistry and your body chemistry from one of stress to one of bliss. And, you know, we could go down that rabbit hole in a minute if you want, but, but really manifesting is about feeling good. It's not just about clarity of vision. It's about how are you vibrating and are you vibrating at a frequency that will allow your dreams to come in when you reach the opportunities. That's so powerful. And I just want to encourage the the listener to re-listen to exactly what you just said over and over again until you really understand that. Um, but obviously, this is not necessarily about understanding intellectually. This is about embodying, right? And so this this process is about getting to the heart of understanding what do you believe you deserve and what do you believe you don't deserve, right? That it seems like is the foundation of the philosophy that you've proven through 50,000, you know, teaching sessions, so on and so forth, you know, 50,000 people that you've proven this through high performers. So talk to me about that. Obviously you went to India, you, you, you learned, you know, from masters and you've continued to embody this in your own practice, but talk to me about the, the phases or the stages here, right? It seems like the foundation is understanding what do I believe I deserve, right? We're talking about manifestation, but what are these phases and maybe walk us through that a little bit, Emily. Yeah. So there are three different parts to Ziva meditation and people will often ask, well, what makes Ziva different or what's unique about it? And it really is that we have the three M's and the first stage is mindfulness. And then we move into meditation and then we finish with manifesting. So mindfulness is sort of like the appetizer. Meditation is the main course. That's what's really going to shift what you believe you deserve. And then the dessert course is the manifesting. And so an important distinction between mindfulness and meditation is that mindfulness is really good at dealing with your stress in the now. Like, oh my gosh, my deal just fell through. I'm feeling super stressed. Let me do 10 minutes of my app. It changes your stress in the now. It's a state change, which is awesome. It's helpful. Most mind, most of the apps out there are teaching what I would call mindfulness. And what I mean by that is that you're directing your focus. Likely someone's guiding you through, so it's keeping you in the left hemisphere of your brain, keeping you in the waking state. Um, this is very, very different from what I teach at Ziva, which is all about letting go. It's all about surrender. It's all about giving your body deep healing rest. 
And so when you give your body this deep healing rest, it knows how to heal itself. And not only from the stress from today, but you start healing all your stress from the past. A lot of people will ask, well, how can you have stress from the past? Well, every single time you've ever pulled an all-nighter, gotten broken up with, been fired from a job, almost gotten into a car accident, taken a red-eye flight, it's left an open window on your brain computer, and that's called chronic stress. They're called premature cognitive commitments. And when they, when they pile up, it leads to chronic stress, which makes us stupid, sick, and slow. So when people say, oh, I don't have time to meditate, I'm like, cool, cool, cool. You have time to be stupid, sick, and slow? Because <laughs> guess what? That's what stress is doing to you. And so the meditation piece is not just about a state change. It's not just about feeling good in the now. You want to do that? You can go smoke some pot. Ziva is about systematically eradicating the backlog of stresses in your nervous system so that you can perform at the top of your game, right? And this is where we really start to see this cognitive increase. You can increase your IQ by 12 points. You can reverse your body age by somewhere between 8 to 15 years. You can improve your sex drive. You improve serendipity, creativity, your body's ability to heal itself. Your immune system gets stronger. So this is not just like a cute like bubble bath for your brain. This is as you change your brain chemistry, you can change almost every single system in your body. And the way that we're doing that is healing stress, not just from today, which is mindfulness, but getting rid of all that stress from our past. And to link that to our previous conversation, when you get rid of that stress in your body, you quite innocently and spontaneously start to believe that you deserve your desires. Right? Like the better you feel, you're like, why wouldn't that person want to date me? The happier you are, why wouldn't that person want to hire me? Like when you're negotiating, you're not negotiating from a place of lack or less than or trauma or conflict avoidance. You're negotiating from a place of, hey, I'm God and so are you. Mm. And like, I know people freak out about the G word, but like there is divinity in all of us. There is an animating force inside of all of us. And when you start to see that that's inside of you, but it's also inside of everyone else, then you can start to level the playing field, right? Instead of being like, oh God, I hope they like me. Oh God, I hope they hire me. Oh, I hope this deal closes. Instead of approaching everything from a place of lack and need, it's like you're already fulfilled. You've already flooded your brain and body with dopamine and serotonin, which are bliss chemicals. And then you can negotiate, manifest, call in from that place. And that's really where the magic happens. So we, so then we go into the manifesting, right? Which is like the dessert course. So after the meditation, we do just two minutes of manifesting. So imagine every day, twice a day, envisioning your dream as if it's happening now. Like if you don't think that's going to change your reality, you wrong. Right? <laughs> a lot of people are like, oh, but manifesting seems so hippy dippy and woo woo. It's like, look, if you're an entrepreneur, if you're a business person, you're already manifesting. Like, did you state your quarterly goals to your team? Mm. You have strategic objectives for your company. Cool. That's manifesting. It's just you getting clear on what it is that you want to be your reality. And then with Ziva, what I teach is how, how for people to do that and like supercharge the manifesting practice right after the meditation, once you've flooded your brain and body with dopamine and serotonin. I think where people get hung up on meditation, if I'm not mistaken, is they think it's just, oh, you know, it's like the secret. I just believe that it's possible and then it becomes so, right? It, in my opinion, what manifestation does is it, it puts opportunities in your environment to then take action, right? But if you go back to a state of, hey, I'm vibrating at a wavelength that believes that I deserve this opportunity, then I'm more likely to take that with vigor and with joy and with inspiration. Is that what you're saying? 
Yeah. So there's two really critical pieces to manifesting. And one is exactly that. Like you said, like how good do you feel? How much do you believe that you deserve your desires? And that's what meditation does for you. That's why I don't even teach manifesting. Like I have a course, it's a manifesting masterclass and I don't sell it. I won't let people take it unless they do Ziva online mm. because I'm like, you're wasting your time. And like, sure, I'll be happy to take your money, but I don't want to waste people's time and resources. Like if I want people to actually use these practices. And so I won't even teach the manifesting until people have a meditation practice. So that's part one, feel good, believe that you deserve your desires. The second piece around manifesting is the clarity of the vision. So there's a thing called the reticular activating system, which is a bundle of neurons at the base of the brainstem. And the reticular activating system or the RAS is really the brain's filtration device. And so at any given moment in time, we have millions of of possible inputs available to the brain. And we simply don't have the um, cognitive power to use all of those, like to to process millions of inputs simultaneously. So we have to filter out. And if you're stressed, which PS, Harvard is saying that 90% of all doctor's visits are um, connected to stress, 90%. Um, So if you're not managing your stress, your stress for sure is managing you. Um, So if you're in a state of chronic stress, which most people are, then that reticular activating system is having to deal with your fight or flight. So it is filtering out for potentially life-threatening situations. Is this chair going to break? Is a tiger going to come in? Are they going to pull out a gun? Is COVID going to kill me? Is that person on the street wearing a mask? Like, you know, all of these stories that we get into um, that are like life or death. And so what we do when we meditate is we get out of the fight or flight. We move the nervous system into what I call stay and play or parasympathetic, right? We start to flood the brain and body with dopamine and serotonin. So that's step one. Now the brain, now the reticular activating system isn't on overdrive trying to keep you alive. Now it has some extra bandwidth. And then you can program that GPS, which is really what it is. You can program that GPS to and tell it where you want to go. You know, I'd like to gross 5 million this year. I would love to find the love of my life. And this is what she feels and looks like and sounds like. And this is what our time together feels like. I would love to close this deal. And this is how it would feel when I close that deal. Um, So you're programming the reticular activating system to start to filter in and out for opportunities that are going to move you closer to your dream. And here's the reality. They're already there. The, re- the opportunities are already there. If you have the desire, nature wants you to make it manifest. Your desires are not arbitrary. Our desires are actually nature cueing us as to how nature wants to move, wants to use us. But if we're running around like in, addicted in our phones, in fight or flight, reticular activating system is so worried about keeping the meat suit alive, then you're not, you're not open to all the opportunities that are already here. Hey guys, just a quick word from our sponsor and we'll be right back to the show. This episode of Elevate is brought to you by CF Capital, and you know how much I love real estate and how it can be a vehicle towards creating any outcome that you want in your life, which is really why we created CF Capital, a real estate investment firm that focuses on acquiring and operating multifamily assets that provide stable cash flow, capital appreciation, and a margin of safety for our investors, for our partners, and for the people that we serve. Our team leverages its expertise in acquisitions and management to provide investors like you with superior risk-adjusted returns while placing a premium on preserving capital. Our mission is to provide property investment and asset management solutions to help investors maximize their returns by investing in high-value multifamily communities. Our philosophy is that we can elevate communities together 
through this process. And I want to invite you to go check out cfcapllc.com because we have a free ebook that's called The Bottom Line, The 10 Ways to Increase Cash Flow in an Apartment Complex. And I want to tell you that this is a value-packed ebook. So I want to, want to invite you to go check that out right now at cfcapllc.com. I think you're going to get a ton of value just from reading this, whether you apply it to your own business or whether you educate yourself further on what it would look like if you invested with CF Capital. So go check that out at cfcapllc.com. Again, that's cfcapllc.com and enjoy the rest of the show. I feel like the foundation, right? We've got to get to the foundation, the heart of stress, right? We've got to listen. We've got to become aware of this voice. We've got to become aware of these stories that, you know, may or may not have any function of reality, right? And so we start with mindfulness and what you're saying is take it to the next step of in terms of meditation. What types of meditation practices are you fond of and have you found that have worked or are there really a, a wide range? There are thousands of different styles of meditation and and it's tricky right now because it's so popular that people are calling literally everything meditation. They're calling breathwork meditation. They're calling sound baths meditation. They're calling nature bathing meditation. They're calling swimming meditation. I'm like, can we just stop it? <laughs> like, <laughs> like, can we just use proper words for it? And the only reason that I, that I get bowed up about it is that I know that it makes beginners frustrated. Right. Because if, if you're a beginner and you're like, well, this person told me to clear my mind when I'm meditating. And then I come along and I'm like, no, thoughts are not the enemy of meditation. And like, but every yoga teacher who's PS never done any meditation training has told me to clear my mind or, hey, this person who's actually teaching mindfulness on this app is telling me to let my thoughts go. You know, it's like people who have no, no training already think that thoughts are the enemy, that they should be able to magically clear their mind. And that's a whole nother topic, but the, the cliff's notes of that is that the mind thinks involuntarily, just like the heart beats involuntarily. So trying to give your brain a command to shut up is as impactful as trying to give your heart a command to stop beating. It doesn't work. And yet this is the criteria which most people have. So they're going around being like, okay, brain, shut up. Oh, sure would love a snack. <laughs> what? Why, why is deer plural and singular? Huh? Why am I thinking about deer? What? I suck at meditation. I quit. Right. And so right. then they think that they, like you just said, you said well, earlier, I was asking you about your audience and meditation. You said, I imagine most of them have tried it or do it occasionally, but they think they are not good at it. I do it, but I'm not good at it. So why does everybody think they're a meditation failure? Because people like us, people with busy minds and busy lives are running around trying to do monastic styles of meditation, meaning things that were designed for monks. And if you're not a monk, you should not be doing monastic meditation because you're gonna think it's hard, you're gonna think you can't focus, you're gonna think you're failing at quieting your mind. And where Ziva is so powerful is that even though it's 6,000 years old, the, the meditation portion of Ziva is based on something that's 6,000 years old, it was designed for people with busy minds and busy lives. And this is a really important distinction and I hope it liberates people who feel like failures. A lot of us in uh, fetishize monks, you know, like Jay Shetty has a billion followers on Facebook. His book, Think Like a Monk, got number one in the New York Times. So we're like, we can't get enough of the monks. We think that they're vibrating and levitating and stuff. And look, monks have a very important role in society, but it is less than 1% of the world's population that is monastic by nature. 
Okay, that's a re less than one percent, and that means they don't want to have sex with other people. That what do you mean by monastic? What's that? What do you mean by monastic in nature? If you don't mind going into detail on that. Uh, I mean that if you're monastic, it means like you're born to be a monk. Okay. Okay. Um. So like you don't want to have 1%. sex with people. You're celibate by nature. Mm -hmm. You are reclusive by nature. That's your preference. Whereas what we've sort of bastardized in the West is that we think, oh, well, if I live like a monk, then I will be more holy. If I stop having sex and become celibate, even though that's not my nature, I'll somehow get closer to God. Mm. Well, how's that working out for the Catholic Church? Mm. Right? Like if you <laughs> pretend to be something that you're not, then those natural desires get perverted. They get sublimated. And so I'm just like, don't try to be something that you're not. If you're not a monk, don't do monk meditation. And and there and yet there's really powerful practices that are very appropriate and proper for monks, but we have to know that they're contributing to society in a different way. Right? Like they are cleansing the collective consciousness by doing hours and hours and days and days of meditation. And that is their contribution to society. Whereas people like us who have families and jobs and by nature less time in our day with which to meditate, we actually need a practice that's even more powerful. So we've mixed it up. We think, well, monks must be do doing the most powerful thing. It's like, nope, they're meditating 10 hours a day. They can actually afford to do a practice that is a bit more gentle because they have more time. If you have a kid and a family, you have 15, 20 minutes max. So you're gonna need to really like, like fast track your way into these different states of consciousness so that you can dip into this bliss and then deliver that to your family, deliver that to your job. And so, you know, I've done monastic retreats as well. Like I've gone and done Vipassana and they'll say that what I teach at Ziva is like cheating. They think it's like hacking. And I'm like, yeah, it is. <laughs> because in 30 to 45 seconds, your brain is flooded with dopamine and serotonin. You don't have to sit there for six days before you get that DMT trip, which can happen in Vipassana. So anyway, that was a long way of saying different styles of meditation. There's thousands. I would put them into three buckets, mindfulness, meditation, and manifesting. And mm. mindfulness is usually derivations of monastic practices, very good at dealing with your stress. And then now you're directing your focus, you're concentrating. It's usually guided, right? Versus Ziva. And like, what do I recommend? I recommend Ziva. If I found something that was better, I would start teaching that. Um, so with Ziva, it's all about letting go. It's all about surrendering. And the cool thing is you're giving your body rest that is five times deeper than sleep. And when you give your body that rest, not only do you wake up feeling supercharged and awake, you, that is the mechanism by which you're eradicating the old stresses. It's the de-excitation of the nervous system that creates order in your body. And that's what allows that lifetime of stress to come up and out. And then manifesting is basically like, oh, now I'm gonna dream into my future. So the way I think about it is that mindfulness is dealing with your stress in the now, Meditation is dealing with your stress from the past and manifesting is all about your dreams for the future. Love that. And I love what you said about uh, meditation or you have said about meditation is that it's about getting or being good at life, not about, not about being good at meditating. I think that's so clever, but it's also so true, right? We're not trying to be professional meditators. Nobody listening very, I mean, it's very rare that a monk listens to Elevate Podcasts. I'll tell you that right now. Uh, but if they're listening, you know, big shout out, you know, and I think it's really important. <laughs> shout out to all the monks out there. <laughs> I mean, you're thinking about meditation for extraordinary performance, right? That's why people are interested in this. It's obviously to live a better quality of life, 
but it's also to take it to the next level, right? How can we take this to the next level? So let's talk about, I would imagine that this is a compounding practice, practice, right? So talk to me about what are some practical tips that you might suggest for folks? Obviously we're, we're going to plug Ziva meditation. We'll put links in the show notes to where, how people can find you and learn more about your programs and all of this, but what practical tips would you recommend to the listener who's saying, look, I want to take this to the next level. I understand I need to minimize my stress and I need to really get to the core of that so that I can manifest. But is there any other practical tips or or steps that you might recommend? For stress management? Stress management and really just taking it to the next level, going extraordinary high performance. I mean, with stress, there's pillars, right? It's like, are you sleeping? Are you eating real food? Are you exercising? Are you having sex? Are you spending enough time in nature? And that's just like the base. Are you drinking enough water? Um, Because if any one of those foundational things is off, like if your brain isn't hydrated, you're going to be dumb. If you're not meditating, you're going to be dumb. If you're not having sex, then that, that, and that your chakras, your energetic waves get blocked. You know, I think there's some quote, I can't remember it now, but I mean, there's actually like some science around like how many times to orgasm in a two week period for optimal mental performance. And it's actually a lot higher for women than it is for men, unless you're practicing Tantra, but that's a whole nother podcast for another time. But there's some like core foundational pieces. Are you in nature? You know, our brains change when we see the geometry of leaves. Our brains change when we hear the oral stimulation of the wind. That's different than hearing horns and sirens and TV and fluorescent lights. You know, so much of modern society is so far removed from nature that it's just like, wait, when's the last time I had my feet on the soil? When's the last time I slept for eight, nine hours and didn't wake up with an alarm? When's the last time I had like legitimate skin to skin contact? You know, so these are like the basics. And if any of them are off for any period of time, you're likely going to feel stressed. So that's sort of simple. But as far as like taking it to the next level with performance, You know, meditation to me, it's the foundation. It's the non-negotiable foundation. But then once you have that in place, there's so many places you can go. Um, I personally work with not one, but two life coaches and a therapist because I'm an insane person. Um, But my life coach, it's it's Handel method is the methodology. And they're really big on cleaning up your lies and telling the truth. And that might sound simple, but especially for women, especially for people who are codependent, especially people who had addicts or abusive parents, telling the truth is, is very challenging. And, and lying and lying is insidious, right? The re, everyone's a liar. Everyone lies. Lying's not a morality issue. It's a happiness issue. And so if you get really honest, are you exaggerating? Are you minimizing? Are you hiding the truth? Are you manipulating the truth? Are you outright lying? Like if you start to really clean that up, not only moving forward, but clean up all your past lies. That has been one of the most profound things I've ever done for my performance. Love that. Love that. So getting, getting to the core of what lies are we telling ourselves and others you've, you've mentioned surrender multiple times in this conversation. What does that exactly mean? I mean, how, if you were to go a little bit deeper on what surrender actually means, what is that? Mm -hmm. So I get that surrender is a four-letter word in the performance communities because, you know, we all think that, like, we're demigods and we know best. And, and likely the reason why surrender feels so scary for high performers is that likely you've been gifted with a decent amount of intellect. You've likely been gifted with either a traumatic childhood that you overcame or, um, you know 
parents and a family that set you up for success. And so it's easy to think, well, I'm doing this on my own. I've earned this, you know, I've created my success. Like if you like your circumstances, then you're like, oh, cool, I did this. <laughs> if you don't like your circumstances, then it's really easy to be like, well, th- th- it wasn't my fault and I was a victim and nature and blah, blah, and blame. So I think that both are true. Um, I am actually a big fan of like the 50-50 when it comes to manifesting or how you relate with nature. And that I base that on the human brain. Okay, like if you look at a human brain, it's 50% left brain and 50% right brain. And I don't think that nature makes mistakes. Okay, I don't think that nature would have given us 50-50 if it wanted us to use 90-10, which is what most people are doing. Most people are using 90% of their left brain, which the left brain is in charge of individuality, math, past, future, navigation, balancing your checkbooks. Like these are all left brain activities. Most of school, most of our modern day education is an entirely left brain academic memorizing process. And most of us have let let our right brains atrophy. Now right brain is in charge of present moment awareness, intuition, color, music, feeling connected. And, and this is why when you start meditating, people feel like they have superpowers. They feel like they are able to do extraordinary performance because they, they had been running a one-legged race. And now you start running a two-legged race and you're like, oh, wow. Yes, I have my intellect. Meditation does not take away your intellect. But now you also have your intuition, mm. right? And, and so the whole brain starts to function as it was designed. Um, so surrendering is really acknowledging that nature, and I would say like capital N nature, has more information than we do. That there is, whether you like it or not, or whatever you want to call it, there is a field of collective intelligence. And if all you're doing is operating from your left brain waking state, it's like having a really fancy laptop that's not connected to the internet. Beautiful. And it could, be, it could be the smartest laptop ever. It could be state of the art, brand new machine. But how much are you going to get done if you can't connect to the internet? And that's what most people are doing with their brains. They're just developing more knowledge, more knowledge, more memorization, more talks, more courses. But they're never stopping to plug into, which the right brain is like the router that's going to connect you to creativity itself, to intuition itself. And and once you do that, it's like you have a super brain, like you have a super mind, and you're not just dealing with limited resources, which is your own individuality. So that to me is actually surrender. It's trusting that nature has more information than you do and, and st- letting go of the illusion that you can or should do this on your own. It's almost like tapping into infinite intelligence, right? You know, what, right. what you just talked about is so remarkable. And it reminds me of a book that I read a few years ago called Mindsight by Daniel Seigel. I don't know if you've read that book, but he basically talks about integration between your left and right brain and really the intelligence that you can tap into and what you're describing there about intuition, right? You're talking about, you know, some maybe many of the listeners may be rolling their eyes right now and they're thinking, come on. All I'm trying to do is get more deal flow. I'm trying to find more opportunities. I'm trying to make more money. I'm trying to, you know, be an extraordinary performer. But what you're talking about is almost slowing down to speed up, to tap into this resource that many people are not tapping into at all, right? When you think about intuitions. So could you talk a little bit more about that? Yeah, happy to. (laughs) But first I would say like, yeah, I just want to make more deals. I just want to make more money. I want to close more, whatever. Go ahead and read the autobiographies of like the hundred most successful people on the planet. 
and report back to me and tell me what percentage of them start their day with meditation. That's awesome. I mean, according to Tim Ferriss, at least what he said on The Tonight Show, he says that 90% of his high-performing podcast guests start their day with meditation. Nine, zero. So like, oh, I don't have time to meditate. Okay, you think Oprah has more time than you? <laughs> like, like you think Tim Ferriss is meditating because he's got copious amounts of extra time? No, they're doing it because they know that it makes them perform better. And a huge part of that is intuition, right? Like intuition is that gut knowingness. It's the piece of us that's actually smarter than the intellect. So um, there's a book called Thinking Fast and Slow, and it talks about, you know, like the fast brain and the slow brain. But the fast brain is, and please forgive me because I've not read the whole thing. So if I'm wrong. Yeah. So, but the fast brain is that intuitive brain. It's the thing that's calculating like on a level that our intellect cannot keep up with. And, and so that thing is really what gets developed when we meditate. And, and it's like the intellect will catch up, right? Like you're in your, your inner knowing that intuition just, just has the hit. And then like two months later, you're like, oh, right. This is why I got that download. This is why that person showed up. Um, and I know that hindsight is, is twenty twenty, but especially in like, you know, I teach at a lot of hedge fund folks. I teach at a lot of like fine, a lot of finance folks and similar to real estate it's a little bit about having a magic ball, like a magic eight ball. It's a little bit about being able to predict what you think the future is going to be. And actually Ray Dalio, who's like one of the richest hedge fund managers in the world, he's, he said on paper, he's like, I attribute all of my financial success to meditation. His job is to predict and listen to his intuition about what he thinks the market is going to do. Right. And so it's like, how can you do that? If all you're dealing with is your left brain intellect, it would be impossible. So good. So good. And I just think about, you know, there's, there's so much to really delve into here. I mean, we could, we're barely scratching the surface, but one thing I'd be curious to know before we transition into our rapid fire section is you meditate twice per day. You recommend twice per day. What's the thinking behind that? I mean, obviously there's probably science, but I'm just curious, what's the practical, you know, thought process between, between twice a day? Yeah. So once a day is good enough to deal with your stress in the now, like, you know, got into a fight with my boyfriend, kids are crazy, work was outrageous. Um, once a day meditation will handle all that new stuff that's coming in. If you want to handle your parents' divorce when you were 12 and the breakup when you were 20 and the job you got fired from when you were 24, like that stuff that's been lodged in your nervous system, we got to do it twice, right? So once a day is a maintenance program, twice a day is moving you firmly into creation. You're creating new neurogenesis. You're up-leveling your intellect. You're up-leveling your intuition. You're reversing your body age, but that takes a twice a day practice. And here's the thing. It's not 2X more powerful. Going from once a day to twice a day is exponentially better. Wow. Because that's really where, like you said earlier, that's where you start to see the compounding benefits of it. Once a day is like calories in, calories out. It's like drinking a Coke and getting on a treadmill. Mm. Better than not getting on a treadmill. But if you're doing it twice a day, it's like cardio and weights. Like you're going to start to really see the return on investment. Okay. So that was a big call out for me because I've, I've been a once a day type of person for a long time. And uh, that's a great you know, call out for a lot of people, I'm sure. So thank you for that. That's beautiful. Yeah. But I would also say it depends on what type you're doing. Like if you're just doing mindfulness or breath work, then once a day might be fine. But just know that like what I'm talking about, about reversing your body age and the neurogenesis and the sex drive, like that is specifically in reference to Ziva, right? So it just depends on what you're doing Got it. and what your goals are. 
Got it. Yeah. And absolutely. We'll put a link in the show notes to zivameditation.com slash online. You'll definitely want to learn more about what they're doing. But Emily, this is such a great conversation. I really, really appreciate you taking time. I want to transition into our rapid fire section. It's called the rare air questionnaire. It's all about being uncommon, right? This entire conversation has been uncommon in so many different capacities, but being a prolific author yourself, I would actually be curious to know if you had to point to two or three of the most impactful books that you've read over the past few years, what would those be and why? I don't know if this is going to resonate with your audience, but here goes. Um, <laughs> currently reading the Magdalene Manuscripts, um, which is basically like its own initiation into certain Tantra practices. And that might seem like a non sequitur, but sexual energy and creative energy are the same thing. Um, not the exact same thing, but very, very similar. And so if you can develop practices to fill up your cup with this creative energy and learn how to spend it, you can then utilize that for your relationship, your career, your writing. It's, it's like you're filling up your cup just like you would with energy from meditation, but you can do that with certain like pleasure or tantra practices. And it's it's a really powerful book. So the Magdalene Manuscripts, <laughs> which is probably the first and only time anyone of your guests is going to say that <laughs> book. Um, what else? I mean, okay, Untamed. <laughs> uh, it's by Glennon Doyle. I've read it 10 times. Wow. Not once, not twice, but 10 times. I think that she is a modern day prophet. It is a hyper-specific tale of her divorce and falling in love and remarrying. But in it, it's like the more specific the parables are, the more universal the reach is. And it's I would say it's especially for women, like it's a bit of a battle cry for women, but it's any gender of human can enjoy this book. Thank you for that. Of course, we'll put links in the show notes to both books, even even if they are the first time that they've been announced on our show. But I just find it to be so fascinating. I love wide reading, wide learning, and getting an understanding of all of the limitless resources that are available to us, right? To tap into, whether it's sexual energy or otherwise. I mean, mm -hmm. Napoleon Hill talked about sexual energy and thinking grow rich, you know, for a reason. And if you study the likes of Master Montak Chia, and otherwise who talk about utilizing sexual energy to create, you know, manifestation in your life. I just think it's so powerful. So we'll put links in the show notes and we'll also put a link in the show notes of where the listeners can find your book, Stress Less and Accomplish More. Of course, uh, really, really excited about that. But Emily, if you were to point to the biggest way that you elevate your life on a daily basis outside of meditation, what would that be and why? So I am in a group of eight women and it, it's called Eight. And every day, so we've partnered up, so we have teams of two, and every six weeks we have a game. And it's like a manifesting game. And so every day I have to design my day and write it out in past tense. So by 10 a.m. I have to send to my partner my whole day designed out past tense. The podcast, Elevate Podcast was amazing. <laughs> Time with my son was so fun. We had a hundred Ziva online sales. I booked another speaking gig in Greece, you know, like somewhere amazing. So I write it out past tense. And then by the end of the day, I, before I go to sleep at night, I have to write back and respond and be like, yes, no, ish, no, yes, no. So I've been doing that every day now for about 10 months. And it's been a real game changer. And wow. it feels like the turnaround time between my desires and then becoming manifest is like 72 hours max. And and it's, it's, it feels like legit magic where it's just like, oh, I place the order, it comes. I place the order, it comes. I place the order, it comes. 
And it's not all the time. You know, I'd say it's probably like 40, 50%, but that's a hell of a lot better than if I wasn't doing it. <laughs> that's amazing. And uh, I can tell that you manifested an amazing time with me on this podcast right now because you're yeah. crushing it. I mean, we're having so much fun, but that's really cool. I, I just, I feel like maybe you tell me if this is wrong, but it, it's almost the clarity plus the feeling that it's already occurred in your life, which is creating such attraction and such a transference, right? What, what would you say? Yes, all of that. And putting it into the manifest, actually writing it down, writing it yeah. down in past tense and then sharing it. So the part of sharing it means that you believe it's possible, right? Cause like if I just wrote like Oprah calls, I made a million dollars today. <laughs> I, you know, had sex for four hours and like wrote a book, like, you know what I mean? Like that I don't believe that that's possible. And I know I'm gonna have to return, I'm gonna have to write back and be like, no, 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 no. And believing that something is possible is a really key element to manifesting as well. And then you also have the accountability of like sharing it. And so another witch is manifesting with you. So, and P.S., you don't have to, this is gender neutral. Anyone can do these practices. I just happen to be in a group of eight witches. I'm so scared of your witches. Oh my gosh. Yeah, you should, don't cross them. <laughs> they're, they're good witches. They're good I'm witches. literally picturing you all like running around with, um, you know, with, with brooms and things. So I don't know. It's and texting close. each other. <laughs> That's awesome. What's the biggest way that you elevate others around you? Obviously outside of Ziva meditation. Well, my friends are now, they're calling it off-label therapy because I'm not trained as a therapist. Like I trained for seven years, but I never got certified. Um, and so I just, I don't do it professionally, but if my friends are going through something, I'll like walk them through. And if people want to find the actual people who are certified, you can go to paradoxprocess.org. It's my therapist site. He's amazing. The, the practice is amazing. One session of therapy is like a hundred sessions of regular therapy. Um, and so sometimes I'll, I'll do that with my friends just as a gift. I like that off-label therapy. I haven't heard that. Yeah, one just before. like a generic off-label, like non-certified. <laughs> like, yeah, the therapy. FDA has not approved this, but it no, might. Work. I got you zero know. FDA approval, but I got a hundred percent success rate with my friends. <laughs> <laughs> Emily, you are remarkable. I just want to thank you so much. I want to acknowledge you for your work. I want to acknowledge you for giving so much of your expertise and really helping people tap into such a greater capacity in their lives. You are remarkable in yourself, and just I just thank you so much for being a part of Elevate Podcast. Are there any parting thoughts or words of wisdom that you'd like to share with Elevate Nation today? As you step into your full potential, you inspire others to do the same. So there's really no need to play small. Um, we can tell the truth. We can tap into the divine every day and we can step into our greatness because it's our, the people who love us want us to succeed. And, and by us doing it, we're paving the way for other people to do the same. Every day and every way I expand and you become greater in your success, your love and abundance, and you inspire others to do the same. I just think you are such an incredible person. Emily, thank you so much for being a part of Elevate Podcast. We will put links in the show notes to where everyone can find Emily, where everyone can find Ziva Meditation online. Of course, zivameditation.com slash online. We also have a, believe it or not, a free gift at zivameditation.com slash podcast, where you can test drive the first three days of Ziva online. But Emily, is there anywhere else that you'd point the listeners? I mean, that's really it. I mean, my that's the best thing I have to offer folks is that Ziva online training. It's great. It works. It'll change your life. And, and I'd love to just get people in, like do the first three days and, and PS, it's not like you have to put in a credit card. It's not like a free trial. You just, I just give it to you, um, because it, you're going to love it. And then if you decide to go on, then awesome. Um, so I'd say go there and just do the first day, 
Just do it in the next 24 hours. Just start. Because there's never gonna, you're not, life is not gonna get less busy, right? It's never gonna be a great time to meditate. And you're gonna have like tangible tools you'll be able to use right out of the gate. So that, that's really where I would send folks. I love the visualization.com slash podcast. Zivameditation.com slash podcast. I love the visualization of test driving it, right? It's like you're actually, you get to touch and feel and really see how this impacts you. So I definitely want to encourage the listeners to go visit zivameditation.com slash podcast. And of course, my goodness, you have got to re-listen to this episode. There's so much gold here that you can apply to your life immediately. I want to encourage you and challenge you to listen for the top three key takeaways that you can apply to your life, to even your business, immediately. And I want to encourage you also to share this and pay it forward, whether it's with a business associate, with a partner, with an employee, someone that you work with, someone that you care about, whether it's a family member or a friend, pay it forward. But until next time, the most important part is to take massive action on what you learned today. Emily, thank you so much again for being on the show. It is my pleasure. Elevate Nation, thank you so much. We'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to Elevate. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to rate, review, subscribe, and pay it forward by sharing with a friend. Most importantly, take this opportunity to elevate your results by taking immediate action on what you learned. For more, visit elevatepod.com.